Hello, and welcome to The Link Podcast, the industry's link to learn, innovate, news, and knowledge in global supply chain intelligence, hosted by food logistics and supply and demand chain executive. We cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and new technologies to food safety and sustainability, anything impacting today's supply chains. I'm Brielle Jekyll, Associate Editor of Food Logistics and SDCE, and I'm focusing on a very serious topic today that affects all aspects of not just the supply chain, but every sector worldwide. We're coming to the end of Suicide Prevention Month, and I think it's really important to bring attention to the issue of mental health and suicide, which in the past has been very taboo to speak about in the workplace. The supply chain has some of the highest suicide rates in terms of careers, and it is vital that we take a look at how to reduce these numbers and strengthen mental health in the workplace. Richard Park, SVP of Supplier Services at Aveda, joins me to discuss what can be done. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Richard Park, SVP of Supplier Services at Aveda. And today we're diving into a really important but, but serious topic, suicide rates in the supply chain. Thank you so much for joining me today, Richard. It's my pleasure to be here with you, Brielle. Thank you for the invitation. Um, do you want to just first um, kind of give a little oversight of, of what you do and, and what your role is at Aveda? Yeah, absolutely. I'd be delighted to. Aveda is a company that works in supply chain risk management. And essentially, our role is to help uh, businesses, small and large, to be able to ensure that the suppliers and contractors that they work with are safe, properly vetted, so that there is a a properly transparent supply chain for, for all of our customers. And really, this means that we work to help ensure that there are safe workplaces, Um, We deal with the environmental health and safety functions uh, of many of these small, medium, and large-sized businesses and work with them to ensure that they've got the the proper programs, uh, the proper practices in place to ensure safety in the workplace. And uh, our SaaS platform allows businesses to be able to demonstrate their safety record. It it, uh, tracks safety incidences over time, and it shows, uh, demonstrates compliance with doing the right things to keep a safe and healthy work environment. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we're really focusing on, Brielle, and trying to get the word out on is that historically, when we've looked at environmental health and safety within the workplace, especially in heavily industrial industries, we talk about physical health and safety. And the reality is, and something that we're poignantly reminded of in September, which is National uh, Suicide Awareness and Prevention Month, is that mental health issues in the workplace constitute uh, safety risks just as much as physical issues in the workplace. So we're, we're very excited uh, because we feel like it's such an important topic to continue to get the word out on the need to be attuned to the mental health and suicide awareness and prevention is a very big part of that. Mm-hmm. I know, yeah, we, um, in, the, in the pre-planning stages of this uh, interview, Uh, you noted that the Bureau of Labor Statistics um, said that some of the highest rates of suicide are in frontline production workers and mechanics and repair workers. Do you have any insight as to why that is? 
Well, interestingly, um, those statistics indicate that it's in the industrial sectors where we have people working on the front lines in, in factories and in um, construction materials in different places, where historically, I think that there has been more of a focus in these heavily industrial sectors to look at the physical health, safety, and well-being. And uh, when you work in that kind of a place, that kind of a, a, an environment, there's always the stress, the risk, and the challenges of being injured physically. And I think that being highly attuned to that can lead to some uh, mental health issues and concerns just because you always have to be aware and concerned about your ability to go home safely each night. So the reality is that having safety programs in place to protect the physical health and safety in the, in the work site can contribute to mental health, but it goes even beyond that. Oftentimes in these more industrial sectors, there's less of a sense of openness and feeling to talk about things that are more mental health related. Uh, these are oftentimes heavily male dominated industries and it just over history has not been a place where mental health issues, feelings, concerns, stress, those kinds of things are, are talked about a great deal. And then interestingly, in that very study that you've cited from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it also points out that frontline supervisors of many of these frontline industrial roles uh, are those that are very highly susceptible and we see higher rates of suicide. And it's interesting that that particular role within an organization is one that we know is very, very stressful because of the fact that you are held to so many expectations. Obviously, meeting productivity expectations falls directly upon the shoulders of frontline supervisors. And they're in the position where they have to balance the delivery of those expectations from upper management with those people who are working on the front lines and having to demonstrate and provide the productivity, having to be concerned with the health and welfare um, and all of the employment conditions of the, the frontline workers, having to manage that with the expectations of the organization. It puts these frontline leaders, I think, in a very, very difficult situation where they're pulled in so many directions that the, the increase in stress that can lead to stress-induced anxiety, depression, and concern in the workplace are, are ever-present among them. Right. And, and, you know, it's been very publicized or, or talked about often about how, you know, COVID has obviously uh, compounded these issues because um, it's increasing stress on all the issues, the things that can happen, you know, things that can go wrong, um, you know, the health, the, the actual, you know, contracting the virus, um, and then also the isolation. Can you explain a little bit how COVID has, um, yeah, just made these situations worse? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at, you know, any workplace, uh, there are a lot of heavy responsibilities, uh, you need to be productive. And so it's work has always had a certain level of stress involved with it. Uh, when you get into a situation that's as unusual as COVID, and it has so many unique and unexpected characteristics, anything that was stressful or difficult in the past is just magnified. There was a, an interesting um, publication from the Journal of the American Medical Association that came out recently. Well, it came out in April, and it talked about that suicide mortality, uh, death by suicide, and some other mental health concerns, um, when compounded by the coronavirus, creates a perfect storm. Uh, now, this was early on in the, the days of, of, of uh, lockdowns and shelter in place and all of those things. So they were really looking at the prospect that 
perhaps the compounding effect of COVID would create this perfect storm. Uh, and they talk about that. Um, there's additional social, social isolation. There are additional protocols and stress, even if you're not virtualized, if you're still going into the factory and now having to comply with other hygiene standards and preventing transmission of the spread of the disease, it creates um, a lot of additional concern and difficulty in the workplace. But then you look at um, economic stress that's come along with it when some jobs are furloughed or small businesses are having to shut their doors and um, cash flow becomes a big concern for people who need to pay their rent to put food on the table. Um, then you consider the, the barriers to getting out to traditional support methods, whether it be ecclesiastical support or community support, um, everything is just harder to do. Uh, so all of those things complicate themselves to make uh, this current circumstance we're going through very difficult. The uh, early on in this, uh, actually in, I think, late June, early July, there was a study done by the CDC and they reached out to a broad cross section of workers across industries because they wanted to understand you know, what should we expect as we get deeper into this pandemic situation and what is the impact on mental health? And in their study, they found that 25% of people that they interacted with um, admitted to an increase in substance abuse in order to deal with the emotions and the stress uh, that they were experiencing because of COVID. 20% um, claimed that they were suffering from mental or behavioral health and a full 10% of people said that they had seriously considered suicide during the past month. No. Uh, so that was in just in June of this year. So uh, that becomes very, very concerning and alarming that uh, indeed we are seeing uh, an exacerbation of some of these already existing challenges to mental health that are being promulgated by COVID. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to fully appreciate the extent to which this happens for some time. Um, because much of this is going to be a lagging indicator to the stress that continues to build and build as the, uh, as the pandemic continues. Mm -hmm. um, not to get too personal here, um, but from a personal experience, I have um, had my struggles with mental health for, you know, my whole life. And I can just from experience say how much of a different difference it makes when you have a support system at work and when it's handled correctly, you know, the, the place I'm at now in my company makes it so much easier for me to manage my mental health um, versus than other companies that I have been at the, at, in the past. And I think that's a huge thing. So I do really want to get into what can um, organizations do and what precautions can they take inside the organization to support suicide prevention. Yeah, Brielle, that's, I think, the most important thing for us to be talking about. And it begins with awareness. It begins with, first of all, accepting and understanding that while for many years, especially in the supply chain, that we've looked at the importance of having safe, sustainable workplaces as being key to uh, the success of an organization, we have to continue to increase the awareness that mental health is as much a legitimate health and safety concern as um, protecting people from, you know, having proper PPE in place and wearing hard hats and having eye protection and all of those things. 
So it really does begin with the awareness uh, and letting you know people know that talking about this as a legitimate health issue is okay. In fact, it's not only okay, it's, it's extremely important mm-hmm. as we look to, to protect the human factor and ensure that supply chains are viable and uh, sustainable. So it starts with that awareness, but then within an organization, there needs to be a commitment and that needs to come from the very top of the organization. You would be hard pressed today to find any company that doesn't have some kind of a policy in place to talk about physical safety and that's endorsed from the CEO and the board of directors all the way through the organization. Well, that same type of focus needs to be in place as it relates to mental health. In fact, it should even be built into those very safety plans and protocols that companies have. And it it needs to include a handful of things. Um, Dealing with the culture of the organization is important. Now, we're certainly not advocating that managers, frontline managers, senior managers put themselves in a position that they become mental health therapists. Right. That would be be irresponsible and unsafe. But what we do want is for there to be an environment in which it's okay to talk about the fact that employees should be aware of their mental health and that as a company, uh, the organization supports strong mental health practices. And if you ever are feeling that there are pressures, that there is stress, anxiety, or different things that are affecting your mental health, you don't have to go to your manager and seek therapy from them, but you do need to know that the company has avenues and tools available to you. Everything from a a properly uh, instituted and communicated employee assistance program to healthcare benefits that um, allow access to things like during a pandemic, telemedicine that goes beyond just meeting with your doctor to talk about physical symptoms, but access to mental health care through telemedicine and employee assistance programs, I think are very important. And I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to agree with you. I think it's so important that um, we push, you know, it's, it's totally normal just to have like, it's just a checkup, you know, to speaking to somebody and making sure that, you know, you're all good, I think is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are a lot of ways that companies can do this by simply, you know, having, you can have a mental health awareness campaign within your organization to first of all, start to tear down the stigma that unfortunately still exists to to some degree in different areas of our society and arguably more so in the heavily industrial sectors that it is okay. And we're going to model the fact that we think it's okay to talk about mental health. And you do that by expressing we as an organization care about the mental health of our employees and we have processes and programs in place for you to ensure that you're, mental health is being taken care of. And then, you know, even training that starts to indicate here are the things that you as an individual worker can look for in yourself. Are you feeling overly stressed? Are you um, having more difficult time concentrating on your work? Is it harder for you to get out of bed in the mornings? Are you uh, finding yourself preoccupied? A lot of these things are just helping people to understand what can you look for in yourself as early warning signs that maybe you should raise your hand or you should seek out some kind of a resource that can help you to just understand what you're going through and ensure that it doesn't continue. Then it's training for leadership to be able to look for signs in the workforce. If you see changes in patterns of behavior, if 
employees who have been very reliable in the past suddenly start having absenteeism issues, um, if the quality of their work declines, it might be an opportunity, again, not to sit down and try to be their therapist, that would be irresponsible, but to touch base with them and say, hey, how are you doing? Um, is there anything that you're concerned about? Did you know that we have, if there are things that are bothering you, we have resources available that we encourage you to take advantage of if you feel it's appropriate. Sometimes just knowing that people care mm -hmm. and that there's a willingness to have open, fair conversation about it can make all the difference. I think just, just being able to say, hey, I'm having a mental health issue or, or you know, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit versus then trying to fight it and hide it and keep it secret can make such a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, you know, when you allow people to feel safe and not feel so vulnerable when they, ha when they need to raise their hands and talk about that, again, it comes down to the idea that a stigma is built up in society, I think over generations, that uh, uh, it's not okay to talk about those things because it means you're not tough enough or you're not able to deal with the stresses of life. And that just simply is antiquated thinking that we need to move beyond. Mm -hmm. And the reality, Brielle, I think is that as, as um, the current workforce continues to mature and we see uh, the millennial generation stepping in and settling into their longer term careers, I think that there's going to be a need and a drive and a push to change this within organizations. So the best and most thought leading organizations will be considering it now. You look at um, just the overall mindset of, of the younger generations versus the older generations. And there's much more uh, proclivity to be in touch with their feelings. You can see it even in the language. Uh, they'll talk about, I feel like we should approach things this way. Whereas in past generations, you just don't refer to the way you feel. You, right. you refer to hard facts. So there will be an increased demand, I think, as, as these younger generations settle into their careers to be more attuned to the feelings and some of those mental health issues. So companies will be very, I think, um, well served to, to get ahead of that now and look at it not only as a way to differentiate for your employees and keep your employee base healthy, but there are actually financial benefits to doing it. Um, there was a study done not long ago that indicated that for every dollar a company invests, in uh, caring for proactively the mental health of their employees, that can produce $4 in increased productivity and um, top line results. So a, a three to 400% return on investment it, it is pretty notable. Mm -hmm. And so companies that wanna be ahead will look at all of the impacts that can come from doing the right things for mental health and get moving in the right direction. It's great that you have you know statistics on it because I just find it so, I mean, yeah, people just think like, oh, you know, they don't think of mental health as a, as a you know, huge issue as, as a company or, or in a career. But when you just look at it yourself, think about when you're having a bad day versus when you're having a, a good day and you're feeling good about yourself and confident and you're having, you know, clear mental health. You get so much done, so yeah. much more done. And I, like, it's an actual productivity driver and it's so important in more ways than one yeah without question and and more and more studies coming out being able to quantify um, and quantitatively indicate that there is a real 
financial benefit to doing this, I think is important, but it shouldn't, uh, and at that, you know, realizing that there are financial benefits to it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still just the right thing to do because we care about people and and good organizations. And and I believe that most companies throughout the country and throughout the world, they are good. They want, they want to contribute to society. They want to provide goods and services that benefit mankind and they want to take care of their workers and the realization that one of the best ways that you can take care of your workers is to start thinking more about their mental health, mm-hmm. not taking any focus away from the physical health and well-being, which uh, is so important, but realizing that the mental health is just as much a part of that equation. Right. And how do you feel um, in terms of PTO and taking time off? Because I also feel that companies that really focus on making you feel okay to take off versus making you feel bad for taking off. I think that makes a difference as well. Yeah, I think so. And I I think it's, again, that evolving mindset that in the past, you know, if you're struggling, you just, you know, buck up and work through it, right? Uh, Just be strong, just be tough. And that really is not the right thing to do. That leads to like you said, lower productivity, but it leads to the growth of those mental health issues that are going to make it harder the next day to get into work. And as it continues to pile up, it becomes more and more difficult until finally it starts to, it results in really negative behaviors, which could be anything from increased substance abuse to, you know, taking your work home with you and incidences of mental, or I'm sorry, domestic violence and problems with divorce. And a lot of these things that proliferate really could have been prevented early on if you just take the time to um, take a day off, take, take a step away, take a deep breath, sharpen the saw, do those kinds of things that will keep you on a, a stronger and higher plane when it comes to mental health pr- would prevent a lot of those downstream things that become so detrimental to people and really becomes a, uh, um, a downward cycle, a vicious cycle that ultimately culminates in things, I mean, as tragic and at the, at the far end would be death by suicide, but all of the difficulties that come with substance abuse and other things short of death by suicide are also things that can just eat more easily be avoided with greater awareness and willingness to um, say that you need to take a mental health day and have an organization that is flexible and willing enough to allow that to be okay is important. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about you know, changing the stigmatism of mental health in the workplace and how you can do things as a company to help um, move this along further into, you know, a more modern um, way of, of conducting business. Um, but what do you think the industry as a whole needs to do uh, to, re- to reduce the risk of suicide in the supply chain moving forward? Well, I think industry-wide, you know, we see a lot of different organizations, groups, and affiliations that uh, come together. The uh, safety, uh, the American safety engineers, and a lot of different organizations that focus again on the health and safety from a physical standpoint. I think across industries, there's a real opportunity to broaden the thinking uh, of these health and safety organizations that focus on physical hazards in the workplace and incorporate more thinking and more policy procedure and approaches uh, to uh, mental health issues as part of their overall plans and processes. I think that that's where it starts. Companies need to do it. And then companies, um, we find very interesting in our industry where we work with so many different 
highly industrial clients who are trying to create safe, transparent supply chains. We may have clients that compete in almost every aspect of, uh, of what they do, uh, direct competitors, but when it comes to safety, they become direct cooperators. And we're able to bring clients together to have safety-related discussions uh, when they normally wouldn't come together because, of course, they're trying to protect their trade secrets and their approach to the business and they're trying to gain greater market share. But they collaborate when it comes to safety. And I think that across industries, when we can develop that greater sense of collaboration as it relates to mental health issues and the safety that that drives, we're all going to be further ahead. I think that's a great point. And, you know, we could really talk about this um, until we're blue in the face. I mean, there, there's so many different aspects of it and it's such, such an important topic. And I, and I completely agree with you. We need to move towards a future where we can easily talk about this. And unfortunately it isn't like that all throughout the industry. Um, but I, we are running out of time. Um, I just want to thank you so much for coming on um, and giving us all that great insight. It was um, really eye-opening. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Griel. Thanks. Anytime. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And thank you again to Richard for joining us. And tune in every Tuesday for our traditional episodes of Link by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. And don't forget to hit subscribe on the Apple and Google Playlist app so you never miss an episode. And please, if you are experiencing any mental health issues, do not hesitate to reach out to someone. There are so many resources available to you. We've included some links in the description if you or someone close to you is dealing with these very serious symptoms. <laughs>